The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. Midweek editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Our conversation coming up with Jabba Chamberlain. We'll get uh, thoughts from the Huskers standout and New York Yankee champion on Judgey. Aaron Judge hitting the bomb. Our old buddy Michael Dixon was, dare we say what? About two, two sections over. Two sections over as it flew by and got to see the guy who caught it uh, walk uh, with security assistance to um to to the back part of that outfield section so history made last night was having beer and tacos with the bunny and we were pretty excited just because carson is uh we always joke about him wearing number 99 uh in honor of ricky vaughn the way he performs on the hill but he (laughs) loves aaron judge has for a while we'll check in with job at chamberlain here in a minute mike babcock shortly to talk some huskers rutgers and then Mike Schuhart in hour two, Evan Bland will also hear from uh, Mickey Joseph his thoughts post practice. Uh, pretty good review, pretty honest review of you know why Nebraska looked different on Saturday night. Does that travel to Piscataway? Numbers to get in today at four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Those are the Phone numbers to dial up. Can find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, give us a watch on the stream, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, and Hale Varsity's Twitter page uh, at H Varsity Radio. Let's get in our chat with Jabba Chamberlain as he was uh, proud of another Yankee doing some big time things. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, we got the man on the screen. Uh, Husker, uh, great uh, on the hill. And, of course, uh, stand out with the New York Yankees as that World Series bling. Jabba Chamberlain back with us. Jabba, usually we're doing this over the phone, my man, but it's good to get caught up in the, uh, well, the Jabba dungeon, my friend. I love the uh, the backdrop. How are you? I'm good. You can't say Jabba Bling because my dad wears my ring every day. Okay. So, you know, so we'll we'll have to get dad on one day and link him in so he can show he can show the ring, but he he wears it every day. That's that's so cool. That's so cool. And <laughs> what a what a moment last night and we had family. My brother in law Andy, who you know, and little Chandler, they were down in, in 
in Dallas. They went to a Cowboys game. We won't get into them being Cowboy fans, but they they were down uh, in in Dallas and they they went to go see the Sunday Monday games with Judge because they're they're all huge Yankee fans. And my brother, my father in law, Papa Al, was there too. And they left the day too early. Uh, but, uh, man, it was exciting for them to see Judge in action, and they got to meet Judge's folks and all of that good stuff. But uh, Aaron Judge uh, does what this country loves, and they love home run chases. They love records going down and uh, able to surpass Roger Maris. As a Yankee, what what do you think of the accomplishment of the feat? And knowing Judge and, and the crew like you do a little bit, uh, just speak to what he was able to get handled. I think he was he he's a very stoic man mm-hmm. and I was I was very fortunate to before I met him when I was rehabbing in Pensacola for my elbow one of my rehab guys had actually worked at Fresno State with him. Okay. And obviously knowing I was a Yankee guy he was like, "Hey, you need to you need to watch out for this guy." Mm-hmm. And he so he had won the home run derby in college and you know Aaron's been that size for a long time and he was like, hey, he's something special. He works hard. He's a very, very humble kid. And, you know, it was something to see him do what he did and to understand what it is to do in that uniform because the legacy of what it is to do in that uniform is different. And it it was nice to hear him last night kind of and, – and, and he took a long time to answer this question. He took a long time to answer this question because they asked him, was it stressful, this, that, and none. And I don't care what he says. Knowing what you're doing in that uniform and to have the expectations and to know what you've done throughout the year, it is stressful. And he finally kind of admitted it, didn't really fully admit it, that it was it, he was pressing and he was doing stuff and – you know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't think he will truly understand what he did because you live in the moment. And he's not worried about right now, but he will long live in history for the same aspect of what he's done. Mm-hmm. For the same reason Roger Maris Jr. lives in the aspect of what his father has done. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Aaron's just a just a consummate professional about what he does, and, and he gets it, and... He deserves everything that comes towards him because people have questioned his health, have questioned his productivity. Okay, you hit 52 as a rookie, but then we've seen you get hurt, and you literally you go on the injured list for three years, basically, of your career. You end up relying on yourself, turning down $200-plus million, and doing what you've done. It is just – it was so fun to see – and you could see the weight off his shoulders of like, okay, I did it finally. And the cool thing for me is I predicted a month ago that he would be done at 62. And the cool thing for me is my number was 62. And if you think about like in baseball aspect, baseball is such a weird sport where there's certain things that happen and they lost last night, right? What was their record when they ended? 99 and 62. 99 and 62. Yep. 99 and 62 and they lost. And that is, that is the baseball world and the, and the baseball things that happen. 61 and 61. Mm -hmm. 
baseball is such a cool sport in that aspect where there's so many things that just correlate together that don't make sense, but they do. Jabba Chamberlain is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jabba, part of the thing that made this so cool was the anticipation. How many, I mean, two weeks pretty much of waiting for for Aaron Judge to hit number 62. And people were tuning in. You didn't know when it was going to happen, but it just felt like pitchers were pitching around him. So I want to get the pitcher's perspective on this. Jesus Tinoco last night was the guy who gave it up. He's going to be in highlight reels forever as being the guy who, who gave up number 62. From a pitcher's perspective, do you feel for him at all? No, not at all. I mean... I'm going to go, literally, this is the anniversary of my Midge game. And that was brought up on yep. Twitter. And that's just that's just part. There, there's certain things that you do in your career that you don't expect that are going to last. And more. Like, let's look at Steve Traskell. He's the one that gave up McGuire's, his shortest homer of the year. And he gave up that. And we, I mean, as a baseball fan, you know who he is. But as somebody that just sits there, you're going to have no idea. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be in the record books forever. And it's you never want to give it up, but you know it's going to happen. And it's from a pitcher's perspective, I understand. I'm I'm trying to make my pitches. I'm trying to get people out. But at the same time, if there's somebody behind you where I'm going to try and make pitches and be a little bit finer, I don't want you to beat me. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, yeah, it happens. But there's a lot of guys I – mean, when Derek Jeter hit 3,000 and it's a homer, it's up David Price. And David Price is a guy that's just an absolute great teammate, a great person who I played with, played against. But you, you're going to have those guys like that. And, it's, and from a pitcher's perspective, it's like you never want to give it up, but it happens sometimes. Job Chamberlain, few minutes with us. Aaron Judge, number 62. We'll get Jabba's take on MLB, also some Husker football here. In a moment, Jabba, uh, a take though. What? How do you feel about the souvenir aspect? Because that's that's the talk. Like you've got somebody that is is a hedge fund dude that that got a hold of number sixty two. Judge isn't playing today, so that's going to uh, appreciate and value. But as from a player's perspective, to kind of piggyback off a of, off of what Elijah was asking. Do you think Judgey wants the ball back, or is he going to pay to get it back? I mean, how do you feel about that as a player? I like what Judge said on both aspects. He he said, I hit the ball, a fan made a great catch. Would I love it? Yes. And let's be perfectly honest. If Judge really wants the ball and, and this man keeps it, he can get the ball. Mm-hmm. But let's look at from the other side of the perspective. And mind you, it's a different situation because now everybody looked up what this guy makes or what he does. Yeah. They say that's just Joe Blow, that's he owns a lawn mowing service. Mm-hmm. That money's gonna change his life. And that aspect is different. And I've talked to a lot of people about this and we've gone back and forth and, and I had a Twitter thing about it. What would you do? Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows what you're going to do in those situations until it happens. But for me, it's like, I can ask either one of you, will $2 million change your life? Uh, yeah. I mean, Junior and Mama will burn through it. But yeah, for, for, the, for the moment, it would. <laughs> so at that point, being, am I going to change it for autographs and some season tickets? Uh, and I don't know the right or wrong answer. I'm not saying mm-hmm. either way. But when it comes to 
understanding of what it is, would they love to have it? But let's just be real here. If Aaron Judge really wants that and it goes to auction, do you really think $3 million is going to hurt Aaron Judge? It's no, not. No, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine with it. But if it's $2 million bucks in our tax brackets where it is currently, I'm talking you and me, Elijah, we'd, we'd probably sell it. If we're a hedge fund manager that has penthouses, uh, it's, it's a little but different. Do we, but do we know that? Do we know just because he works for them and they manage $197 billion, does that mean that he really has that? Well, he's got to have, I would think he'd have something, don't you, Elijah? You would think, but yeah, well, I, we also don't even know that that's the same guy. We don't know for certain it's the same right. guy. The, the, the names match up on LinkedIn, but you can't confirm that it's the same guy. Or he just has one hell of a good LinkedIn account. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have a Ferrari, a Porsche, and three Labradoodles. Uh, you know, my tax bracket's great. Jabba, what do you think of the playoffs, bud, here? The Yanks go in, Judge. No, but, that, that's, but before, be, before you go there, Schmitty, what do you think about 61 when the bullpen catcher, it fell off and that guy missed it. Yeah. And the bullpen catcher and his wife goes on Twitter like, I'm retiring. Then he gives it up, and then she's like, okay, I'm getting divorced. Like, it's, I mean, obviously, it's a parody. It's funny. Right. <laughs> and, and I've had I've, I've had conversations with this in guys that have played. If you catch it in the bullpen, and if you're at the front end of your career where you have a chance to make money, or if you're the back end of your career. You've made your money. Where you're like, nope, here you go. And, and that's the thing that we, like, I've literally tried to talk about where we never understand that in the aspect of what they're doing. Like it's such a historical moment. And literally the dude that caught 703 from Albert Pujols, he got offered a hundred thousand right then and there. Oh, Albie, uh, I, I would, our situation, we'd take the money, but if you're a bullpen catcher, on on the team or an opponent, I, I think you you probably hand it back easier to say than than do. Talk to me about the Yanks, the postseason. That's that's another hurdle for Judgey. Like he he's he's been healthy this year. That's awesome. He hit sixty two. He needs to to hit in the postseason. But give me your uh, your favorites here for the fall classic. Oh, it's I was just talking to a couple guys earlier before I got on with you guys. And I, th- I think this is going to be one of the most fun postseasons we've had just because of guys coming in. And it's, it, was, it was a conversation that it was, it was a Mets conversation. And everybody's like, oh, they stink, they stink. I go, uh, they won 100 games. Mm-hmm. They came one game away. DeGrom and Scherzer haven't pitched well towards the end. They're playing the Padres when Musgrove and Snell have thrown well. They're going to go against each other. And I looked at the odds, and you look at everything that goes along with it. I think the Braves have been very disrespected in the fact that they won last year, and they're better this year because mm-hmm. they got Acuna and the aspect of what he brings. I just think there's so much that's going to go on right now in the playoffs where the dynamic of the way the playoffs work now, not one game. Now we're playing best of three. You don't travel. They all play at home. I think it just changes everything from the aspect of not just one game, but you're playing three. And now it gives 
the people that win the division an extra two days because mm -hmm. now they get five total. Sure. So now the guys on the DL get an opportunity, and I, I use the Mets as an example because if they win, Starling Marte is a huge part of their offense. Mm -hmm. But now he's going to miss the wild card. But if they won the division, he would add those extra five days. So I, I just think the dynamic of what the playoff platform has changed in the schedule has changed a lot. I, I, I love the fact that it's a best of three and not one of one because sometimes that gets tricky. Mm. Jabba Chamberlain, Husker Gray, New York Yankee, World Series champ. Jabba, we'll do this again, brother. Thanks for jumping on and talking some judge with us. I appreciate you guys. Good to spend time with Jabba Chamberlain. The uh, news yesterday uh, with uh, Judge going yard for number 62. Mike Babcock in the on-deck circle. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Jabba Chamberlain. Hale Varsity rolls forward on a Wednesday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbert, we welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football in that Husker Football den. Or we'll just say his writing layer. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. I, I like listening to Java Chamberlain. He's a great guy. He was a great pitcher. I know his dad, Harlan. Oh, yeah. Great guy. Tough follow. No, you're all good, Babbers. You're all good. We'll, uh, we'll dive in, but a little bit of info, though. This is... Really cool. We got the uh, the email from a, a, a really uh, just kind-hearted listener uh, with Josh. Josh Finley listens to us out in Colorado. He lives somewhere between Denver and Boulder. And he was listening to the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, you can find it Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, you, uh, the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity. Really fast, though, you just, like, totally exposed this. You're like, here's his first and last name. Here's his approximate area of living. Like, wow. Well, well, who, he sent the email. He's inviting us out <laughs> to, uh, to a great, you know, the Grateful Dead tour for one final time. Babbers, we've been talking about that. And the, the last, the Dead's last run. And he's even got a, a 72 Volkswagen bus. Yeah, he, he's invited us to go camping and, and, and hit, hit the road. I think that'd be a lot of fun, Mike. We can even bring the radio equipment and do some shows around the campfire. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, 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 all, uh, it's all set up. It's all like 60s, like we're going back <laughs> in time. <laughs> well, as long as we pick the right year of the 60s in, in correspondence with Nebraska football, right? Are we going 7-5 and five, Nebraska 1960s, or are we going 1965 playing for the national championship 1960s? Uh, what to get your thoughts on... Late 60s. Okay, uh, on, on Nebraska as they head to, to Piscataway. How are you feeling moving forward here about the team? I thought Mickey and, and Bill Bush have been really pretty... Pretty straightforward. And then, of course, Mark Whipple 
uh, kind of kicked things off with um, with some some unfiltered whip. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he didn't didn't pull any punches there. Um, you know, I think that uh, Mickey today kind of said what we've been talking about. You know that uh, this team has has these guys have been beat down uh, to the point where you need a win. You get a win, and then you believe, you understand that you can do it. And like we've talked before, um, you can say you think you're going to win when you go out there, but really believing it deep down is a different kind of a thing. And maybe they've gotten over that hump uh, with the win against Indiana. Now, you, you know, now, as Mickey said, when they do things in practice, when they uh, work hard and, and follow the instructions and wh- whatever they're supposed to do. They see that there are results, you know, positive results, things happen, and he feels good about it. So I think, you know, you, you can't look ahead. You know, it's it's got to be one game at a time still, but can they do the same kind of thing? Can they believe in themselves and get the job done at Rutgers? And then you look ahead to Purdue. That, that's the next thing. But First up as Rutgers, you've got some momentum because now you have had an opportunity to see that things work when you put in put when you put in the work, you get the job done. That's what the Indiana thing has done for them, um, and that's what they're looking at going into the Rutgers game. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Mike, three things stand out in my memory about that game on Indiana, and there's one for each phase of the game. Offensively, it was running the football with success, wearing down the Indiana front, and you reaped the benefits of that in the fourth quarter. Defensively, it was uh, lowering how many missed tackles you had. The defense was flying around, and when they got to the ball, they were bringing the ball carry down on the first try uh, for the most part, and then special teams, it's got to be that block, punt, and touchdown, getting a swing play there, getting seven points on the board. Those are the three things that stand out to me in my memory uh, and when you look at those three things there which do you think is going to be the most sustainable for this Husker football team moving forward and, and what do you think uh, you can expect to see against Rutgers among those three things for me the most sustainable thing needs to be that running being able to run the football um, and you know you you your offensive line is involved in that and Anthony Grant the, has done a great job um, I think he's, you know, obviously he's emerged as the guy who can do what needs to be done in the running game. So I think the running game is important. Obviously, you don't miss tackles on defense. You can't miss the tackles. I mean, I think you pointed out the three things that would, if you're going to pick something to reflect each of those areas of the game, um, those probably would be the, the three appropriate things. And the fact that you have something in each of the three phases of the game. Mm. Um, Haven't seen too much of that with the Huskers. Um, That's what you need is be successful in each of those phases. Um, Just do what you're supposed to do. Get the job done. Be in position to make the tackle and then make the tackle. Um, Those kinds of things. Um, And if you can do that, you can be successful. You know, I don't think that that, – that Coach Whipple was being unrealistic when he said this team could win the West Division. Um, it could not win the West Division, um, but I think that the, the potential is there uh, given what I've seen in terms of athleticism, the ability or whatever, but so much depends on that mindset, believing 
um, that you can get it done. Believing what you do in practice is going to have uh, is going to pay off when you get there uh, on game day. Mike, or what not. do you what do you think the offense can do or needs to do Saturday? Uh, sorry, Friday night. Do they need some big plays in the run game or just to be consistent? Do they need big plays like they got Saturday against Indiana? Will Nebraska be able to be methodical or are they going to need some big plays? Well, you always like to think that you can get some big plays. You know, that's important. I think that if if this team gets to where it needs to be in order to be successful in, in the stretch, um, you've got to be able to run consistently. You don't need not, – I'm not saying you need to make the big plays – but those big plays are going to come if you have some consistency with the running game. Um, you, you, you know that you're going to pick up some yardage. You're going to move the ball down the field. And when you, get, when you do that, and I think we saw an example of that because I think the way Grant did things, um, uh, it, it opened up the opportunity for the big plays. That's where, but it starts with that ability to run the ball to control the line of scrimmage, to move it down the field, and then the big plays come. So for me, the important thing is move the ball offensively, be able to get the ball on the ground with some kind of consistency. And if you can do that, the big plays will follow. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, Trey Palmer's performance was huge on Saturday afternoon. Is that sustainable moving forward? It was... Uh, good to see. I mean, we, the the television broadcast talked about the fact that on the sideline, Mickey Joseph and Coach Whipple both were telling Casey Thompson, you got to throw to that guy. He's getting open. You got to make sure you make that throw to Trey Palmer because he's, he's an explosive weapon. And you got to assume that's going to be a point of emphasis moving forward. But uh, I guess back to my question from uh, two questions ago, is that sustainable moving forward, Trey Palmer's success within the offense? Or are there other receivers that are going to need to step up as well? Well, I, yeah, I think other receivers need to step up. But I think that Trey Palmer, I think that's consistent. I think he has – he's a talent. Obviously, he's a talent. We knew that when he came in here. We saw a reflection of what that talent can do. And, and I, you know, defenses are going to stack up against him probably when they see those kinds of performances. But, um, no, I think he can continue to do that. He's going to continue to be the go-to guy um, because of his ability – um, and then other guys are going to have, have – it was good having Vokalek back, right? I mean, there's another there's another part of the passing game that they hadn't had there for a couple games because Vokalek got hurt. Now he's back in the, in the mix. I think he's an important part of that as well. He's big-time comfort, right? You have Palmer. You have Washington that can make some plays. Martin got a big touchdown. Uh, Alante's good in space. But now you have Vokalek, Mr. Third and Eight. He'll get you nine, at least if we think back to Ireland. Mike, as we wrap here, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Malcolm Hartsog did really well. Uh, you had great linebacker play, as good a linebacker play as you've had in a while, specifically in coverage. But I want you to focus on Ty Robinson. Was Saturday a coming out party, or do you expect similar results from him? He really bought in to what, what, what Mickey and, and Bush were preaching to him, and that's to just cut it loose. He did. He played great football, probably his best game. Yeah, and, and I think he's only going to get better. You know, he, he, that was the first step, I think, to going where he's going to be. And, it, you know, he has tremendous talent, 
I think it was a coming out a party to some extent. He listened to what he was told. He did what he was told, and he was a dominant kind of a player. That's what you need up front there in the in the middle to get things open up for for the other guys, for the linebackers. Hartzog, great, true freshman, gets an opportunity to start and really um, does a great job, I thought. I, I was kind of focused on him uh, early on in the game just to see what happened, and he did a, a, a great job. Um, so, yeah, I think, the, the again, the only way is up for the defense as well, and I think it starts with Ty Robinson um, and that line of scrimmage. Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, what's coming up from Hale Varsity on the web and in the magazine? Well, the magazine, uh, we're getting getting closer to the next issue of the magazine, and we've got a kind of a what-if feature set up um, working on that and uh, also a really great uh, story that uh, on the – on soccer that uh, that we had for the last issue, but we moved it back an issue, so it's coming up. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're getting geared up to for the uh, October issue, and then that's going to be a little bit of a a uh, little bit of a scramble, only because whenever there's games going on and you got focus on the website, the game, the magazine, um, you got to be. Uh, uh, Total vision. You got to pay attention to what you're supposed to do. One drive. That line of scrimmage. One drive to win it all, right? I love it. <laughs> Mike, we'll uh, check in with you soon. Thanks so much for your insight and your time, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. All right, there he is. We're going to get him out to Colorado. You freaked out on me about giving the guy's address out. He emailed. Well, it wasn't the address. It was just like the, might, the guy just might have to upgrade his home security a little bit now. No, he's fine. Uh, those those VW vans, those things run you a, a pretty penny. Well, it looks I, I it looks super comfortable. I mean, I can see a massive campfire. Little uh, working man's dead playing as we're getting ready for uh, one last ride. Grateful Dead. I hope it's around the same time Nebraska's out in Boulder because we're going to Boulder next year. Got to relive that roadie. Different result would be much appreciated. Mike Schuart's on the way. Evan Bland. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And we head out to Wilderness Ridge because them leaves are changing. It is the most beautiful time of year for golf. And uh, Mike Schuhart joins us to talk uh, a little fall golf and, of course, some big red football. Shuey, how's, uh, how's your Wednesday? I, I imagine you have uh, had a, a few lessons. You, you've helped tweak a few swings. You, you've showed some folks how to putt for the dough. You're watching the leaves change. And now you might be just, because you, you're always so kind to us to do a, a hit with us on Wednesdays, you might be on the deck at Wilderness watching the beauty. Uh, doing this interview? Uh, not quite yet, though. It's a pretty <laughs> cool place to be. But now we're getting ready for our Wilderness Cup, so our last event of the year is called the Wilderness Cup. So we're setting up for that. So who are who are some favorites in the Wilderness Cup, or is everybody uh, a threat? Oh, everybody's a threat. We don't know. So we have a draw party. So that's tomorrow night because we had to change it because of the Friday night game. Right. So we're having our draw party tomorrow night, picking teams. We have Team Timbers, and we have Team Boulders. 
<laughs> about that? I like it. And when I think of draw party, I'm thinking of Miller Lite, right? I mean, am I on the uh, the right track there? That's, I think we got a keg of Miller Lite uh, on tap as well. So I think that's a, for sure. Man. Well, we just got to do a we got to do a show from a draw party. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> no question. It'll be a lot of fun, uh, man. A lot of strategy going into it, so it's crazy. Jay, It'll be fun. Is there more or less preparation for for this draft here or for your fantasy football draft every single year, Mike? Well, there's a lot of prep going into this, man. I had to get our captains already the the schedule, the roster, and they're already trying to match people up and put people against people and handicaps. So there's a lot of prep that goes into this, a lot of thinking. They've been working on it for weeks. Who, who are the captains? Do you care to divulge or can you? So, well, we had our main cap. So our captains come from our gross club champion, okay. men and women, and then our net club champion, men and women. So those are our captains. Okay. Well, it's going to be a heck of a good weekend with the Wilderness Cup going on and uh, Wilderness Ridge where you got to get to. Uh, if you're thinking about membership, the swim-up pool is not quite put to bed. I'm not going to lie. Me and Russ thought about jumping in, but that might frighten people. Uh, we didn't. Shui, how are you feeling about Friday? You, you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the change of plans because of, of Friday Night Football. What, did, what are you taking with you as a Husker fan from last Saturday to Friday night. Do you feel better? Oh, yeah. Very excited. I mean, I was, it was very exciting to watch them play. They played a different brand of football than we've seen for a while. Much more aggressive, much looser, you know. So it was fun to watch. So I think you never know. Playing on the road is always a hard thing anywhere. And so, but if they can keep that momentum, keep up the same aggressiveness that I saw, I mean, they got a chance to win I, I truly believe that what do you think of the job mickey's done just from a, a confidence standpoint instilling that confidence and that's you can relate to that because you've taught and coached for as many years as you have uh in golf i mean it's the same same reality you need here's what you're struggling with here's how you can get better and you know you can do it that type of mantra yeah, I mean, that's what I, I mean. I really like Mickey. I like his message, listening to him, what he talks about, because he's true in what he's saying. You know, it's like, it's like I always tell my students, I said, you know, it will get better, but it's not going to get better unless you do something different. So and that's kind of what he said. It's like, you know, you, you have to do this. He holds his players accountable, which I think they respect. You know, he's not afraid to bench you. He's not afraid to play other players and give them chances. And that's all they're asking, you know. It's like, tell me the truth. Give me a chance. And if I don't do it, let me know why and see if I can do it better, you know. And he'll help you get better. So it's like he just – everything he says is, is very encouraging to me, you know. And I think it's what players want to hear, you know. They all want an opportunity because they all think they're good until – all of a sudden they don't do something like they're supposed to. But he lets them know why, gives them a chance again after that, correct it, do it better, and you'll have a chance to play. So that's all you can ask for as a player. Give me a chance to go show you what I think I'm capable of doing and help me get better. 
Mike Shuhart is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, quickly here, I want to reset a topic that we hit on our line change for our Omaha listeners. And if you, you missed that at home, you can always check that out on our Twitter page, at HVarsity Radio. we got the line change coming every single day. And, Mike, the, the topic was just the, the conversation around a Friday night football game as a whole. The Huskers playing on Friday night. Do, do you hate it? Do you love it? Uh, is it okay as a change of pace? What do you think of the Huskers playing on a Friday night? Uh, from a fan standpoint, I, I don't mind it. I like it, actually because I don't have to wait a whole other day to watch him play. I think from a player standpoint and coaching, I think they'd hate it because you lose a day of prep, and then you add a travel in there too. That makes it that much harder, you know? So it's like, you know, from a fan standpoint, I always, I mean, I'd watch them play every day if they could play every day. But from a coach's standpoint, I think they got to hate it, you know? Got to travel all the way to the East Coast, on a Friday, so it just messes your whole schedule up. But on the flip side of that, you know, they're coming off a high. You know, they, they feel pretty confident about how they played. You know, they feel like they played different. Um, so that could benefit them greatly going into the next game is that, you know, they're on, they're on a upswing instead of a downswing. So hopefully they can carry that momentum in it and uh, play a good game. Chewy, it's prediction time, about a minute, partner. Why does Nebraska win Friday night? Do you think they win? The, the line right now is minus three. I think they win because if they keep running Grant, because he's, he's a stud, man. That guy's <laughs> one of the best backs I've seen in a long time. And then they sprinkle in some skill positions. You know, Trey Palmer's awesome. And if they get Vokalak back involved, you know, they'll control the ball. And if they can play defense like they did you know i think they have a really legitimate chance to win i think they'll win my shoe arts with us shoey where do folks go to get signed up to become a member at wilderness ridge bud yeah come on go right to our website all the information you need is on there you know tammy nagel is our membership director so everything goes through her you can find her contact information on the website give her a call and uh she can sign you up for a membership it's a way like to do you said, it. Fall golf is the best time of the year to play golf. It's beautiful. It's so uh, relaxing, even if you find the sand a few times. You know, it's okay. There's worse places to be. Good time of year to, exactly. to walk the course too. You don't need to bother around with the uh, with the golf cart if it's beautiful walking weather. Get your workout in while you're golfing. Yeah, that's exactly. That's optimistic. I, I love the. <laughs> uh, my I'll think about that. I'll never do it, but I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to sprint with those clubs and chase the beer cart down. I promise. Exactly. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Chewy, we love you, buddy. We'll we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. You bet. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Yep, there he is. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge. Beautiful colors. Court's incredible shape. And uh, just, uh, yeah, and you've got some some options here. Think about it. You've got the weekend because you got a Friday night game. you got another bye week coming up after Purdue. And uh, the weather's uh, right there. Hands on the wheel, eyes and minds straight ahead. The driver, one job to drive, a message, be safe, and a thought from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you one final time. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Todd emails in. He thought, we've had this come up. He's imaginary. He wears red. It's Clausborn. We talk with every Friday for the Friday forecast. But 
Todd thought that Chewy sounded a lot like Clausburn. We've had this, well, who's Clausburn? Question out there, either on the, the stream, which is great. But, I mean, Claus's identity will remain confidential forever. I just want to throw something out there for the people at home. They're trying to formulate, like, oh, which, Who, which, which, who's which, which common guest is it? For what it's worth, I don't even know Claus's, the, 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 the actual person who voices Claus. I don't even know his last name. So, for what it's worth, he, even Schmitty keeps his identity secretive to me. So th- this thing is a closely guarded secret. I think it's, I mean, it might be more closely guarded than the KFC's Herbs and Spices. Okay. Um, fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> Colonel took that with him to the grave. <laughs> and Schmitty's taking the identity of Claus with him to the, gr- to the grave. Well, what I'd like to do is get Claus on a stream, but we need to be able to like go, go mafia witness protection with him. <laughs> so his face is obscured but he'll have his red blazer and white button up on we'll have to order like a mask of some sort something right something like that hail varsity is presented to you by currency for all your equipment financing needs go currency we'll spend oh. time with evan bland in about 10 minutes and then uh at 5 25 we'll have an open phone segment for you before our jock doc we'll also dive into uh some of mickey joseph's comments as nebraska hits the road tomorrow great write-up by scott doctorman when it comes to just the west race why you can buy stock in teams like nebraska or illinois or as wide open as the west is and why you should run just get out of the way and just let the west settle itself but some big games. Nebraska right now favored by three, mm-hmm. which you get three and a half points uh, for the home field. So right now, if, the, the way I look at it, if you're a road favorite by by three or more, you should win by a touchdown. But that makes sense, right? Because, I mean, it's a six-point swing. It should be a touchdown one way or the other. And I, I haven't quite settled on on points. Points – not over under, but what, how many points do you need, right? How many points are you going to need against Rutgers? Uh, can you be a defense that shuts down the Rutgers rushing attack and make them beat you with one of their three quarterbacks throwing it? And then if you're Nebraska, do you need, you'd like it, but are you going to be able to be better on your offensive line to buy that fourth quarter, have some of those four or five yard runs or three yard runs pop into double digit runs? That's what I'm wondering. Can you wear down? Because uh, Grant didn't really have too many explosive runs. Not his fault. Indiana just did a good job of corralling him. He had a few scored out for 13, 14, 15 yards, but she didn't have him getting to the edge and cranking it out like he did uh, against Georgia Southern or against North Dakota. It was better than what Oklahoma allowed, uh, but he'll need to go for 100. You need to combine for around that that. 200-yard mark again. For what it's worth, Iowa ran for 129 yards against the Hawkeyes, and Iowa doesn't have much of an offense, but if they do have a strength, it's their running game. It's uh, a one-dimensional offense. Where they won the game, though, was uh, Rutgers turned the ball over three times. Iowa did not score 27 defense because Rutgers' defense is that bad. Well, They're yeah, not great, but they're not that bad. Rutgers' defense is going to be physical. We'll, yeah. we'll say that. Hour two, Evan Bland on the way. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast 
$10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to you. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Big thanks to Java Chamberlain. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Evan, a busy weekend for you. You got a little Husker football in, but you got to go check out KU and Iowa State. I want to start there before we recap Indiana and dive into Rutgers. How was the experience down in Lawrence? You know, it was cool. I hadn't covered a game outside of Nebraska in like seven years, like other than the Nebraska. So it was, it was fun going down there and rekindling some old big 12 memories. Uh, seeing Iowa state down there was kind of a trip too. And yeah, I mean, obviously people know why I went right to, to get to know Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold a little bit better and see kind of the programs that they built. Um, you know, it, it was interesting. I thought both of their journeys to this point were pretty similar. They both dominated at the division three level. They both resurrected some Mac pro uh, a Mac program, and then they have been doing well in the big 12. So I thought that was cool. The, the other thing that I suppose I took away that I didn't expect to necessarily was seeing kind of the way that they have it down there. I can see a little bit more why some coaches in their position might not jump at a bigger job because you know, again, the media attention is a lot less. The fan expectation level, those those Kansas fans were just happy to be there. I mean, it felt like a spring game up until kickoff with mm-hmm. just sort of a relaxed, um, you know, people streaming in, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I think for me, it just sort of informed a little bit further what these coaches are going to have to weigh eventually when some of these bigger names, bigger budgets come calling. How important is the money? How important is job security? How important is sort of the the holistic experience of the thing. And I think there are pros and cons both ways uh, that make it a little bit more of a gray area to me than simply, Hey, you make 4 million, we're going to pay you eight or nine a year. So I think that part of it was maybe the most interesting for me. Now, Evan, you talk about the backstories of these guys. I mean, uh, you got Leopold, you got Kleiman, you got Campbell. They came up to the division one level from lower levels. And I don't think that anyone around Nebraska is really talking about that, that that could be a possibility from Trev to, to go look down at D2 and, and D3, maybe even FCS. Do you think that that is something that Trev would consider with, with how important this hire is going to be for Nebraska, assuming that he goes somewhere in the direction uh, other than Mickey Joseph? Do you see him looking down at the, the D2 or D2, D3 level for Nebraska's next head coach? It wouldn't be a sexy hire, but it's worked in the past for other programs. Well, I mean, yeah, Kleiman is a good example. He was so dominant at North Dakota State that, you know, it kind of felt like he was going to get an opportunity at some point. I don't know that that sort of candidate's out there right now. I think if you have that background before you had a bigger job, I think that could play into it. You know, I've talked to some people who said, 
you know, when, when you're in a, in a living room with a recruit and you're going through that process, parents can tell, like if, if this head coach kind of went through it, if this head coach grinded and had to work for everything that they got the way that Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold did, people connect with that differently than somebody who, you know, maybe was a, a you know, whatever, played at a big school and then sort of jumped right back into that and didn't have to necessarily grind at a lower level. Mickey Joseph, incidentally, is the same sort of thing. If you look about where he came from, I mean, he's played at or coached at the FCS level and, uh, you know, historical black college universities, division two, he's been all over the place too. Those are guys at places where, you know, you're there because you love the game because you love to teach nothing's guaranteed um, so I, I think a guy with that sort of background would be valuable. And then you add on top of that, at least in the case of, of Campbell and Leipold, these guys uh, have been coaching and, and are familiar with the Midwest. And, and I have been on record for a while saying, like, I think that's a really important quality that the next head coach has to have is being able to recruit locally and not needing to rely so much on on players from the coast. Um, you know, you're going to get some of those guys. I think your top Midwestern programs, you're building – from within guys who are invested guys who, who sort of understand what the expectation level is, what the standard is um, for a program like this too. So, um, you know, again, you never know where that next hire might come from. I think it'd be okay if they had some of that background, but I do think probably in this case, just when you look at the coaching landscape out there, it's probably somebody who's at least at an FBS level right now. Kleiman's a great example of, of making a jump after a insanely, uh, talented run, even surpassing what what Bull did at North Dakota State, and I think a Trestle making the jump from Youngstown State to a, a really uh, sputtering high performance vehicle. Uh, when you look at the probation, and then then and then Fickle there for a year, and then bang, they were up and running. Uh, well, post post uh, Trestle is when Fickle came in. But my point is, is you go Youngstown to Ohio State and they don't miss a beat there. They're winning a national championship. Tell me uh, what you think of the job Mickey's done so far. It's one win, but man, from a mentality standpoint, uh, coaches are saying the right things, but but what I'm hearing, I'm believing with how they're getting that, that mentality shift in the locker room. Well, the thing that resonated to me, I think, Saturday night was seeing that video that Nebraska put out on social media of Trev Alberts in there, hands the game ball to Mickey Joseph, and the reaction that those players had for their interim head coach was real. That was not something that was created for social media. That was not something that you could stage. That was an authentic emotional moment where those guys were happy for him because they know that he cares about them. And, and, you know, I think you can't undersell sort of the relationship aspect of this thing. If you're going to ask these guys to do something different, if you're going to ask them to pour in, um, they have to know that, that, you know, you have their back as well. So I think that's a big part of it. To me, the most interesting thing moving forward when you look at Rutgers this weekend is the defensive side of this thing. I mean, we saw guys like Ty Robinson, you know, uh, play a game that, that he hasn't played in a long time, maybe ever at Nebraska in terms of how he got after the quarterback. Malcolm Hartzog comes in and, and does really well in his first start at corner. Uh, the linebacker play was as good collectively as we've seen it in a while. So, you know, when you talk about simplifying terminology, uh, you know, their, their big their big points of emphasis last week were get set and play fast. And, and maybe they're going to repeat some calls um, and, and keep it simple just so guys are ready to go. So I, I'm curious to see how 
sustainable that is, how portable that is. Can Nebraska put that in a carry-on and take that out to New Jersey this weekend? Or how much of that was the emotion of that game? Um, you know, playing for a new DC, playing at home under the lights, that sort of thing. And so that sort of, to me, is the question with Rutgers and, and the rest of the season is how much of what we have seen specifically against Indiana is sustainable, is not, uh, you know, how much of it is not circumstantial, not about the opponent, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's going to be really fascinating against a, a, an offense in Rutgers that's really not a world beater by any means. Can Nebraska build on this thing, or is this just a blip? It's that—that that is the question. Can you? You got to transition styles too, right? And that's the beauty of the Big Ten. You have Purdue that's their own animal. You've got some phone booth games with teams that want to get downhill, and you shift from Indiana that's going to spread you out and speed you up to downhill rock fight let's roll our sleeves up and go bare knuckle out in jersey but i think nebraska when you look at their their measurables on the defensive line they should be able to hang in a game like this evan uh with a team that's not going to get sexy but they are going to run downhill and try and out tough you uh the 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 build-up of trying to be a tough football team's been accelerated but i think bill bush has has the player's ear to to know what kind of style you got to get ready for. You're not you're not going to be surprised by the style because you you see it in November every year. Right. And and I, and I think we saw this with the defense last year and at times this year to me the the style of offense that they're suited to defend best is when a, a team's going to pass more and is going to spread it out a little bit because you know how many times have we seen uh, the Wisconsin's and the Minnesotas of the world just dominate in time of possession and they don't even need to pass. And, and it's just so demoralizing when you can run it between the tackles and you can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. And so I think that's, what's interesting is, you know, Indiana for, for all of its up tempo passing nature, it wasn't a super explosive offense. It wasn't coming into that game. And I think it showed that it wasn't going out of that game. So so now sort of the, the emphasis for Nebraska is less about we need to hurry up and get set because we don't want to miss anything. And, and, and Indiana is going to take its sweet time lining up. So it's really less about that. And it's more about, OK, now can we be can we be gap sound? Can we try not to play hero ball and fill in this gap over here? And, hey, we vacate our spot. And now a guy runs right through it for you know 15 yard gain or whatever. So I think that's sort of the next step is, OK, they, they've proven that they can play quicker if they need to. Now, can you do the fundamental stuff, you know, make, make the tackle, um, you know, in the box. Can you, can you stay where you're supposed to be gap integrity? Right. We always hear that ever hear about that from Mickey Joseph too. So um, I think if they can keep it simple, they have the bodies to do it. Ty Robinson, again, we, we saw what he could do. They have a number of other, I think players who, whose potential is still yet to be unlocked a little bit further. And this is a good weekend to do it because again, Rutgers, um, you know, it, it, it sort of is the, you know, the off-brand version of what Minnesota is going to want to do or what Wisconsin is going to want to do. And if they can handle this, then I think it, it, it extends the conversation. We say, you know, how they can do against maybe more talented players, bigger offensive lines, that sort of thing. Um, if they can't, then again, it probably informs us a little bit further about what last week was and what the rest of this season can be. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, a buzzword around Nebraska over the past – I don't know, two years has been complimentary football. You haven't really seen it very much. And uh, obviously that's going to be important to get the win on, on, on Friday night. But 
when you look at what Rutgers brings to the table, uh, where do you think that, that the pressure is going to fall on Nebraska? Is it going to be on the offense to go get some yards, get some points? Or is it going to be on the defense to get stops? Who, who is going to be tested more on Friday night, I guess, is the heart of my question. Well, I think it'll be – I mean, you just look at what Rutgers does well and what they don't do well. They're, they're not very good at moving the ball. But they are pretty good at, at stopping offenses that aren't named Ohio State. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think that's probably where it has to start. Uh, and, and we saw Nebraska have some – they raised some red flags in that regard on Saturday. You talk about uh, Casey Thompson taking some hits. He's going to be sore. He, he laid out his list of different physical ailments uh, this week that, that we all saw. Um, so can the O-line protect him, first of all? Can, that, can Anthony Grant – um, continue to do what he does against a little bit more of a stout defense. You know, Rutgers is going to be is going to offer more resistance than what Indiana did, and you know the best defense they faced in Oklahoma. It was hard to get the run game going. So what does that look like? And then you know, can Trey Palmer just continue to do what he's doing? I think it's pretty clear he's one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. Certainly, he's come up big time and again for Nebraska. But can can the line give Thompson time to operate to find? Trey Palmer in those situations. Um, and then we don't know what really about Travis Vokalak. This is sort of his homecoming game back with his, uh, his old school. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt like he was still working his way back to full health last week. Um, maybe this is that game that he breaks out a little bit more and, and takes on more of a focal point in the offense, the, the way that we saw in the Northwestern game before he went down. So I think there's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of uncertainty with what the offense can do moving forward. Certainly Mark Whipple believes that they can move the ball. I thought it was refreshing to hear from him this week. Um, But just when you look at what Rutgers does well, what Nebraska struggled with, that'll be what I'm curious about too, is to see uh, can the offense do enough, assuming the defense does its part, to get this thing uh, taken care of out in New Jersey. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Nebraska and Rutgers. Last thought, Evan, if you're to buy stock in a team in the West right now, who are you buying stock in? You know, I'm not giving up on Minnesota personally. I know that they didn't look great against Purdue, um, but I just think that style, like who they are, they're so comfortable in who they are. They've got a quarterback um, who's who's been there, who knows what he's doing. I think, uh, you know, Mo Ibrahim's going to be back. He's going to return at some point. They really missed him in that game. Um you know, for what it's worth, they were my preseason favorites, too, just because in part of how the schedule lays out for them, you know, they avoid uh, the big bads in the East. Mm-hmm. So I, I still think the West is is Minnesota's. I know they haven't necessarily proven it against top competition. The jury's out on what Michigan State may end up being still, I think. But, um, yeah, you know, just when you talk about a team that you kind of have a sense of what it's going to be week in and week out, I think Minnesota's right up there. Um, it's a style that's going to translate as the weather gets colder, which isn't the case, you know, with teams like Purdue. And, um, and, and of course, we don't know what if Iowa can ever move the ball. So, yeah, to me, it's Minnesota. Yes, they had a bad game, but I'm not going to overreact to that particular loss. Um, and I still think the Gophers are the favorite in the West, even though, again, we got a six-way tie for first right now into October. Evan, are you, are you out on Wisconsin now that they've, they've let go of Paul Christ? Well, their schedule sets up really favorably. If you look at it down the stretch, like this next six weeks for them is about as friendly as you can ask for. They still have Braylon Allen. They still have, you know, a defense that's been better, I think, than, than, you know, what perception is. Um, What they do on offense will be, will be interesting to me. So no, I'm not totally 
selling them by any means. I mean, they're they're one two in the league, but they're a game behind everybody else at this point. And I think you can make an argument that uh, you know, for for all the the success that some of those other teams have had, they're all flawed in their own ways too. And, and until further notice, you know, I mean, Wisconsin was a favorite coming into the, into the season for a reason. Um, you know, I, I still think they can move the ball. And, and, and some of what I said about Minnesota is still true with Wisconsin. I mean, if they can get that ground game going, that's something that can be friendly into November too. So no, I am not out on Wisconsin other than, uh, you know, Northwestern. And I guess we'll see about Nebraska. It feels very wide open with what this thing can be in the next you know two months. Evan, uh, safe travels. Thanks for the time today. Thanks guys. Good stuff from Evan Bland. We'll dive into some of your comments via the stream. Some emails to get to. Mickey Joseph thoughts as the guys get packed and ready to leave for Jersey tomorrow. And uh, more on that West topic. Who uh, who you buying? Who you selling? Hail Varsity continues. Chime in. 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency, and we have some comments today. Jeff likes the baseball part. We kick things off with Jabba Chamberlain. Uh, Matt reminds us that with the, uh, the Netflix show that's number one on Netflix, anytime somebody asks us out to go camping and there's a van that uh, we need to beware. Is, is that a part of Dahmer? I'm, he's just linking the two. Uh, he's like, you know, guys better hope that guy hasn't been watching any recent Netflix documentary movies lately, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't want to become a meme. Well, the thing is, is if he ends up murdering us, then, you know, he'd lose out on a very good Husker talk show. So that that's it's the it's the pros and the cons. That's why I feel pretty safe here. The other know? part of this is our friend Josh with the VW bug out in Colorado is a UNK guy. God love him. So uh, there you go. Can I, can I quickly ask? Uh, we had Jeff chime in about the uh, the baseball. I'm going to get your take on this. Do you think that we should throw out the, the, the Bonds and Sosa and McGuire home run records out the door because of alleged, well, not alleged anymore, confirmed PED usage? Or, or should there just be an asterisk next to those? Should there be a, a clean record and a PED record? And, well, and Judge Nahold just clean depends record, on what, just the record overall? It just depends on what you want as a baseball fan. Baseball can do their own thing. Baseball can claim this as the American League record. And, and it is because no one's hit. No one had hit more than sixty-one since sixty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, National League's your issue because you got Bonds at seventy-three. You had McGuire at seventy-one. You had Sosa with a handful of upper sixties, and they were all pin cushions allegedly. So it just depends on what you care about as a baseball fan. And baseball's always freaked out about their records and numbers. And to me, what Aaron Judge did is is the record it's the single season record because he's the only guy that's been able to pee in a cup and i i it's six seven two eighty i don't think he's juicing don't know that but i don't think he is i'm of the the opinion that with the professional athletes out there if you ain't cheating you ain't trying it's fine but it's just different like it was great and it brought baseball back in the late 90s with sosa mcguire's chase and it was wonderful at the time, but then for every, most of those guys, Sammy forgot how to speak English. Rafael Palmero flat out lied. Uh, one guy, Rocket, misremembered. 
And then you have Mark McGuire that was there with the congressional hearings that wasn't there to talk about the past. No one owned up. Man from Ansan, yeah. I mean, A-Rod kind of did, but A-Rod's a scumbag. I mean, so who cares? I mean, from 86 through 2005, let's say, things were gross. And we all went to ball games and loved the long ball because Greg Maddox was right. Chicks dig the long ball. But as far as records go, things got inflated. This, to me, feels more normalized. Because you're not seeing it every year. But I, I would, I, I shouldn't say I guarantee because I don't have any inside knowledge here. But from what we see in sports such as the UFC and we've seen it in biking with Lance Armstrong, the Olympics, I think there's just much more creative ways about, to not get, get caught. It's about making money. Mm-hmm. You get a payday. Who cares if it takes a few years off your life? I mean, that's some, some people's attitude. Vic chimes in on Nebraska Rutgers now that uh, the offense has been – Put out on tape. All the way around defense. Defense has been put out on tape. Uh, Rutgers has game tape of our revamped D. Will they have be able to adjust? It, it comes down to stopping the run, period, end of discussion. And about every Big Ten game, but specifically Friday night, because you you can't lose to Rutgers with them throwing all over you. It's, it's impossible. It's supposed to be impossible based on what Rutgers has been through offensively. They're, they're, they're a mess. And when it comes to their passing game, they're going to just try and beat you up. And can you uh, get off the field and, and stop the run? Let's hear from Mickey Joseph, uh, specifically on the week of prep and uh, how things have gone as Nebraska packs up and heads to Jersey. I thought he went smooth. I thought the kids were champions. You know, the coaches did a really good job because it was a short week for them to prepare. So they worked late nights trying to get the game plan down. I think last night they got out here about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. But they, they worked. The kids came back and worked today. So I thought it was really smooth this week. So despite the short week, despite some having to move things up and, and switching the schedule up, they've come to work. Now, Whipple's take yesterday on some things that have ticked him off. And to paraphrase, his expectations higher than the offenses. And that comes down to Confidence, self-confidence. And Mickey commented here on what Whipple had to say because he was asked about it. Is Whipple on target? Which cut are you talking Three. about? Three. I think he's right on because you, you got to look. Now, look at it now. They hadn't won a lot of games. So if, if you was on his team and you lost nine straight, would you think you can win every game? No, it's human nature to doubt yourself. So we talk to him about not doubting himself. And we do have high expectations for him. But right now, I think they're in a good place mentally right now for what the coaches are asking them to do to win football games. So I think they're turning over a new leaf that they, they, they did it. So when they finally had it done Saturday night, I think now they can see it. With these kids these days, they got to see it happen. And I think it happened for them. So I think they will continue to get better. More on the football team seeing that difference. I saw it in the, in the bye week that, that they bought in about what we asked them to do, to play fast. But you got to take credit that the defense really turned everything over when, when they started playing. And, when, and that's the way we're going to play defense, and that's where we want to play defense. But you can see the swag coming back, coming back to them. But you, you're talking about some kids that's been beat down for three or four years now. You know, so it's not going to – I mean, we think, oh, son, they're going to just jump and they're going to get into a positive mindset. That doesn't happen that easy. They, they've been getting beat down. So now they won a game. They see that they can do it. 
now they're going to get better every week. Elijah, the the big project for this staff was to to coach him up, to get him confident. Mickey's said that from the get-go, being here, now that he's running the show, he can do it his way. That's been impressive. That's been important. But we, we had some comments by O'Shawn Mathis, and he wasn't wrong, but the loser's mentality. You've had a lot of years of a lot of guys that have never won anything, and it's, and it's beyond a crappy bowl game or finishing third in the West. I mean, it's one or two games you win in conference or going three and five at best the last four years. You just, you're just not used to that if you're a fan in Nebraska. But think about being a player, not ever tasting multiple victories, not tasting success to the point where you doubt yourself. Well, think about the previous uh, seasons with those games that you thought were, were turning point seasons. You go back to Scott's first season at Nebraska, and you had that Michigan State win in the snow, and you thought, All right, here bit, we go. well, after a terrible first season, that this team seems to have gotten some mojo. They, they got some confidence. They look a lot better, and then – Colorado happens the next season, and you go, oh, never mind. And the, the confidence right back down to zero. Uh, even as early as last season, you had that Northwestern game. Let out a lot of, of anger, a lot of frustration on that Northwestern team. And you as a Husker fan were sitting at home going, you know what? Something clicked there. And, and we know this is a good football team, but they, they got a big win, 56-7 to or whatever the final score was. Big win against a bad opponent. <laughs> but that's what it ended up being is it almost felt like that team was a little bit overconfident coming out of that game. And, and it, it just comes down to the fact that there's not one single game, as Mickey said, that is going to fix years and years and years of things not going your way. You know what else? I think it comes down to, okay, we've made a bunch of comments about new voice, right? New philosophy. Different can be better. At some point, you stop believing what you're being coached to do. Mm the last several years because it never delivered on wins. Some of that may have been individuals, but as, as a collective, they've, they, they just weren't good enough, right? And what position were you put in? And either the guy pulling the trigger, and that's not an Adrian shot, it could be a defensive alignment or the guy calling out things. You just found ways to not get it done, and the guys that you're, you're looking at or looking towards as leaders in the locker room, you can doubt – and for sure, you can doubt who's running the defense or running the offense, just based on details. And this thing getting tightened up has been the best thing because you got good kids, you got good players, you have some talent, and, and you have, again, some adults now. And, and that's just what needed to happen with, with how the program's being led. So when it comes to shifting – uh, from Indiana to Rutgers, Mickey commented on that a little bit earlier today. Well, it's going to change a lot. They, we're going from tempo to like a nine-on-seven drill where they want to run the ball at us. So it's, it's a totally different mindset. That's why the coaches had to put so much time in trying to get the game plan together and get make sure we get the right bodies on the field. And how about complimentary football? You know, the defense came out, did well in the second half. Uh, maybe the offense was surprised by that. That's it. I mean, that's also been lacking. The offense hasn't helped the defense. Defense hasn't really helped the offense that often the last few years. The offense wasn't used to the defense playing that way. If you if you looked at the last four weeks, I mean, like I said, they're human now. And so they're going to look at it like, like a human being should look at it. Okay, they hadn't played great in the last four weeks. So this game, they played lights, lights out football against Indiana. So 
Yeah, they probably were sitting back a little bit. They had seven, like seven, three and outs. But they got to do their job on offense, and that's what Whipple's saying. Everybody's got to do their job on offense. Their job is to score points, not to worry about what the defense is doing. And that's what we're trying to stress. The defense is going to play, but the offense, their job is to score points. So Mickey was asked about Matt Davison, and a lot's been made here, and we got the uh, the press release. Matt Davison joining up with the 1890 Collective. And uh, Mickey was asked about it, commented on it. Well, Matt's been Matt's been good for the University of Nebraska. I mean, one thing he knows how to do, you know, he raised money. You know, he ra- he raised money. You can see the building outside. So Matt understands recruiting, and he's going to be great for us to have with NIL because we have such a support system with with our fans and our and our backers. And he's going to do a great job because Matt's Nebraska in and out. And we trust Matt, what Matt's going to do. And we're happy for Matt, but we're also happy that our kid's going to be associated with somebody that they know personally. Last side here from Mickey, it's about the team's approach moving forward. It says that they bought into what I was saying, to believe in themselves. You know, we kept encouraging them and let them know that, hey, you know, we talked to him this morning about Deion Sanders had a quote, you know, bet on yourself, look in the mirror, and believe in yourself. And we gave him that quote this morning, that look in the mirror and believe in yourself what you see in that, what you see in that mirror. And I, I think that right now they, they feel it. They feel they're in a good, like I said, they're in a good, good mental, a mental stage right now. And we like where they're at right now. Good stuff from Mickey as uh, Nebraska packs their bags and heads east. A jock talk on the way. It's a Wednesday edition. Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10. $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how's the week? It's been great, buddy. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're enjoying the weather. It's uh, football season. That looks up a little bit. And it is full grip mode for Nick Saban. A&M comes into town on the heels of a loss. And, uh, yeah, Saban's in, in uh, rare form. You know the the Bama boys well between Auburn and and Alabama, so uh, you've seen him uh, in um, in full action, if memory serves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure have. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty amazing guy. His, his coaching abilities and the ability to run the team is, is pretty fantastic. Uh, but they do have their um, uh, kind of uh, work cut out for him this weekend, especially with uh, maybe missing Bryce Young. We'll see how much he plays this weekend, if at all. 
um, you know, could be a little bit of a pesky injury for him going forward this season. Well, and that's just it. What is his, what's his status? And Saban keeps saying day to day. Uh, with your uh, with your medical coat on, though, you tell me a sprained AC joint in your throwing shoulder. Uh, what's the prognosis on your end? What do you lay out? What he's dealing with as he was trying to scramble, got hit, dumped on his shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. You know, pretty common injury. We see this a lot. It's called kind of the classic shoulder separation. Uh, you think about a quarterback as kind of being that classic player that gets it, gets sacked, or lands on that shoulder directly. But essentially what this is, if you think about it anatomically, uh, see, everybody knows your collarbone is. We call that the clavicle. And as you kind of take your fingers and walk out towards the edge of your shoulder on your clavicle, eventually you'll feel kind of a bony prominence there where that clavicle runs into another bone called the acromion. Those two form a joint at that area. We call that the AC joint or acromioclavicular joint. What happens is as you fall directly down on the shoulder or you can even land with your hand outstretched and kind of jam the shoulder upwards, you stretch that joint where the clavicle starts to stretch and move superior or upward, and it stretches and pulls away from the other bone called the acromion. Um, and there's varying grades of that, grade one all the way up to grade six. Uh, most commonly we'll see a grade one, which is really where it doesn't move at all, just kind of a minor stretch, but still quite painful. And you move into a grade two where that clavicle starts to migrate up maybe about 50% in height, move up to a grade three where it's up to 100%. Those are kind of the most common grades that we see. Um, each of those are important as they kind of pertain to how long it takes to get back. Uh, but again, these are very kind of position-dependent type of injuries. Obviously, if you're you know, a linebacker, receiver, quarterback, this all has varying impacts on how soon you can come back. You know, For example, now you have a player who's throwing athlete, it's not a throwing shoulder, it's going to be harder for him to get back uh, with this and potentially you know, dealing with this versus if, say, you know, you're a receiver or a lineman where you know, you're not having to do that overhead motion, which tends to be the more difficult motion with this injury. Now, Schmidt, you're actually lucky here because you're not only talking to, to one expert, I've actually undergone a, uh, a grade one shoulder separation. It was there about, were no tears shed for your throwing ability, though. Well, it was about two and a half years ago. I was, I was trying to do some jujitsu, and I, I got tossed on my head. Well, not really. More tossed on my shoulder. Yeah, karate but. in the garage, Dr. Brandon, and, and we're talking Bryce. Yeah. I, I, would, I would just like to add, I did not miss a single show. No, here. you didn't. I, you I, whined I, I a while, but you didn't, you didn't miss a show. But, but, You're a gamer. But Dr. You're Man, absolutely a gamer, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and for what it's worth, I remember it being about a two, two and a half week recovery process before I was feeling more back to normal. And obviously, I'm not on a football field. I'm sitting here uh, running a, a soundboard for a radio show. So it's very different. But two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks to get back to normal. Does that sound like a reasonable time frame for a quarterback? Yeah, no, it sure does. That, that's definitely a reasonable time frame. You know, we might have to rewind here a little bit and have to table a discussion for a little uh, garage karate injury uh, <laughs> segment sometime down the road. That sounds like a good topic. But moving back into your point, uh, yeah, about anywhere from kind of one to three weeks is kind of that zone we look at for these injuries. Um, it really is kind of a week-to-week decision. Um, a lot of it, too, just depends on kind of how much bleeding is involved in the area. Um, that really kind of irritates the soft tissues with that kind of trauma. The hard part with these is, you know, there's that period where it's really sore, then it improves, strength comes back, motion comes back, 
and then it's at kind of a lower level of discomfort, but obviously you're going back to a contact sport, and so every time you kind of bang away on this thing, it's just it's a little bit more sore. You don't ever kind of reach that you know, major point that you were before unless obviously you have the same trauma happen, and then you can convert this to a higher level and potentially need surgery. Um, and so that's always a challenge with these. You know, there's no great pad I can put inside your pads to help protect this. There's some, but honestly, it's more than just that kind of direct impact. It's kind of that pulling down and away of the shoulder that just keeps irritating this. And that's the part that's, you know, pretty challenging. And then obviously you throw the throwing piece on top of it, which makes but, it tough too. But Dr. Brand, based on everything you're, you're telling me, and this was my experience as well, it sounds like it's, it's more pain management than anything uh, worrisome about, about future, uh, I guess, injury, re-injury, I guess I should say. Yeah, you know, they're, they're definitely kind of like hamstring, you know, kind of early in the process, there's definitely an opportunity there to retweak this pretty often. And so, you know, he'll struggle with this for the rest of the season, uh, but hopefully it's at a point where it is manageable. Um, and that, you know, kind of begs another question is, you know, what can you do for that kind of symptomatic treatment? Obviously, there's the icing, there's the anti-inflammatories. Um, this is an area where you start to have some maybe more difficult conversations about, do you maybe do a steroid injection into the area? Or do you just do maybe some numbing medicine, some lidocaine before the game and, and play with this? Um, that's an opportunity that they could do. That is something that is used quite frequently kind of at that next level, especially NFL and even Division One. And so that's probably a discussion you have. The hard part about doing that is I've, you know, I've seen that utilized um, is, you know, you go out there and you feel great put some lidocaine in there, some marking in there. It's like, ah, the shoulder feels normal. Then you go out there and bang away on this thing for a full game, and you are absolutely miserable that next day. <laughs> so it just depends on how much that you want to put up with. Does that impact you long term? Yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously, every time you keep banging away on this, you kind of create more stretching, create more scar tissue. You could potentially alter your mechanics in your shoulder. Um, that could make this maybe an issue for him down the road. Um, that's always the big question mark, especially in our throwing athletes. Dr. Brandon here, real quick, 90 seconds, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Bryce Young, our topic, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Is he going to be limited, depending on the, the grade you've touched on, is he still going to be able to, to do what he's asked in this offense, stay alive, make throws, will it limit his, his uh, deep ball uh, ability? Yeah, I, I think that the deep ball might be a little bit weak for another week or two. Um, you know, and for him, he's a guy I would definitely try to scramble him some. You want, I think for him the biggest thing would just be trying to avoid as much contact as possible. So he's going to be more apt to want to just get rid of the ball earlier, maybe a few more throwaways. Um, that would probably be the best preventative thing for him, at least early on as this is getting some rest. I don't think the throwing will irritate it as much as, you know, a huge blow by, you know, a linebacker or somebody throwing him down on the shoulder. Dr. Brandon, enjoy your week. Thanks for the update here on Bryce Young, and uh, appreciate your time as always. Okay, fellas, you guys take care. Good stuff from Dr. Brandon Seifert, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, and uh, a big ball game against a heated and hated rival. Where'd you go on the stream? It's just, it's just mine pretty fast. His computers dis- decided to flip out. Add another quarter. Yes. No, the internet uh, said on call. Mm. At least in this room. Well, the people at home aren't complaining about seeing more. Miss us? Come here, brother. Just throw the stash back. Freak them out. We'll wind down our Wednesday next. for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency for all your ticket needs. You got to get to Red Zone Tickets, selling fun. Since 2001, you thought about buying tickets. Do you need to sell some seats? Red Zone Tickets buys and sells tickets for all types of events. Husker football and Husker volleyball, NFL action, Creighton basketball, concerts, theater action, and how about the CWS? And listen, log on today. Find out the events they have for you. RedZoneTickets.com. They're located in Omaha. They're local folks that have been doing it since 2001, and they're reliable. They're a local source that has that A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so they are Absolutely stand up. So Red Zone Tickets, uh, 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. Uh, Time to check that item off your bucket list and create memories that last a lifetime. Do so when you visit RedZoneTickets.com today. That's RedZoneTickets.com. So this thing just flaked out. Your device ran into a problem and needs to restart. We're just collecting some error info, and there we go. I don't get it. Like, it it just flaked out. The computer went nuts, and there's no video. Well, it could but be a good show. That, that, I mean, that computer was made in 2012, so that could be a, a no, big No, it's a nice laptop. Here. It's a Dell. It's the station's computer. God love them. I mean, it, it, it's gone everywhere with me. It's been to Ireland. It's been fantastic. And it's one I don't have to go buy. <laughs> That's the big factor, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be straight. Last time I bought anything worth a damn electronically was 2011. So I've got a car update from, from Junior. Oh. Junior found a, because uh, he's Junior and he thinks he's special. Uh, I don't know where he gets that idea. He found a, a used BMW. And I'm like, well, you'll fit right in at the Southwest parking lot. Of course you need a BMW. Sure. And well, the price is right. You said so. I've got a range of what the number is. So it's it's been from him and his mom freaking out about. Well, he needs a new car. No, he doesn't. He needs to get a job. He needs to get a job. And we're going to go to a bank. And I don't care what interest rates are. Guess what? I had to do it. You're going to have to do it. Get a loan and make the payment to the bank. So that's that's going to teach you to manage some money. Get a job, right? Well, when what he's not going to realize about that BMW is Oh, he's yeah. already been shot down. His insurance numbers are astronomical. Yep. Yep. I, I said that it was a it was a turbo. It had 70,000 miles. It was it was affordable compared to what cars are. The the used car market is you're getting beat over the head right now because used is is fantastic and and new. I mean, you, it's just what this market is right now. But then that BMW in addition to the insurance costs it's got something's going to go wrong in it, and then but now you got to pay that that foreign vehicle premium for getting it fixed. It's just gonna it's gonna be a whole thing. And uh, I drove the family minivan for uh, a good while after I turned sixteen. I didn't like it at the time, but it made me into who I it am. It was today. okay. Yes, and it, guess it, what? It got Folks, me from point A to point B. And if I crashed it, you know, cousin how much money Nate, we're very little. Cousin Nate had had the Woody Panels minivan, the Dodge. He had that thing, and it was a party wagon. It was fine. So, yeah, Junior's uh, test drive has been shot down. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Take care. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.